1: Hello, and thank you for joining us for another Housing Matters podcast. Your favorite data nerds are back with everything you need to know about the housing market and the economy. And this time I'm excited because we've got, well, first, let me introduce myself. My name is Jordan Levine. I'm the Deputy Chief Economist here at the California Association of Realtors. And I would be remiss if I didn't introduce Oscar Way, our amazing Senior Economist and Director of Research.
0: Hi, everyone. Good to be here and good to be talking about the economy and the housing market uh, with you guys.
1: Definitely, and uh, almost missed that introduction, but we're, you know, it's because I'm so excited that we have so much good stuff for you. We do want to start off with a quick update just on uh, the health situation, the economic situation, but then we really want to dive into the housing market because we have both our September press release numbers as well as our 2021 forecast that we just uh, released at Reimagine. And so there's lots to get into there. Most of it, I think, is is fairly good news on the housing front and in general, I think, as well. So maybe, uh, Oscar, if I could turn it over to you to just quickly run us through the COVID numbers, because I think, uh, you know, unlike in the rest of the United States, things are actually moving in the right direction still here in California.
0: You're absolutely right. You know, for California, we have been doing uh, pretty well in the last few weeks or so. And the number has gone down. You know, just the bottom line is, you know, it's been improving. It just give you the bottom line number for uh, positive positivity rate, for example, has gone below three percent, which is a very very good number compared to what we had before. It was more almost eight percent. So number of cases have gone down. You know, number of deaths have gone down. Of course, like I said before. One death is more than, than, than more we need, but uh, the number of daily cases and daily new uh, deaths have gone down. But you also mentioned a very important point that is California is actually you know, on the good side. The other states are actually doing uh, worse and, right. uh, as we move into the flu season.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a, a concern, right? Because unfortunately, um, you know, people move around and things like that, and so you know, we we have borders and things like that to worry about. And so even as California uh, gets things buttoned up, if there's a big surge in the rest of the United States, it's still a risk potentially uh, for us, even as we kind of get our own ducks in in a row there. But yeah, less than a hundred deaths per day, and that's something that we couldn't say a few months ago, uh, and and you know, again, down from over. Twelve thousand cases a day uh, at one point in time over over the summer and so mm-hmm. you know we'd rather have we'd rather be in
0: california's shoes right now than many other states absolutely just uh, just want to make sure that you know we continue to keep uh, doing it you know the the right thing and keeping our social distancing measures in place and uh, if that's the case then we won't have any uh uh, resurgence. Uh, but uh, again, the coronavirus is definitely the variable that it's the wild card and the variable that is very unpredictable. Absolutely. Uh, so we just have to keep uh, make sure making sure that we do the right thing.
1: Yeah, we just went to our annual uh, economics conference, Oscar and I did, and one of the speakers there, and I forget, I I wish I could attribute it, but they said, uh, the virus is the boss. And so that's why we keep updating you on this stuff is because it has economic implications. And and so the good news is we're moving in the right direction and we do see that playing out uh, economically, especially Mm -hmm. in uh, the labor markets. We saw that here in California as well, but uh, we actually had less than 900,000 jobless claims for for the first time. It was actually fell below 800,000 last year.
0: Right, right. And that's very encouraging, especially since, you know, I think there are some technicalities, you know, as far as California not uh, pausing the the processing of the initial claims. But it started, you know, just uh, this past week, and it's still looking very, very good with um, the uh, jobless claim level, you said, you know, below 800,000, which is the lowest level since the pandemic started in March right
1: yeah and uh, and and so i i again things have continued to move in the right direction this continues a kind of long-running trend uh that's that's been ongoing for for the last couple of months we still have you know a lot of folks who are on continuing claims for for unemployment i think you know it is the classic thing that I, I like to do is to balance the good news with some potential, right. uh, cautionary tales, right? Because the, the reasons why these claims have gone down might be less than, than encouraging.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it might be because partly because of some of the claims or some of the benefits being exhausted. Right. Um, I can't believe that it's been what already five, six months of people applying to you know uh, for the unemployment benefit, and that's a long time. And they might have moved on to you know another benefit, uh, the pandemic unemployment assistance emergency compensation program, which definitely is not a good news uh, because people have to. That Mm -hmm. means people are relying on those program uh, for a long period of time. Uh, But under the current situation, I think um, you know we definitely need some federal assistance program.
1: Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, this is is the important thing to point out is that, yes, we like to see the, the unemployment claim numbers go down, but we want to see them go down because people are getting back to work, right? They're right. finding jobs, they're um, being hired back, not because they've reached the maximum amount of unemployment assistance uh, that they can get. And that raises long-term questions about this shape of the recovery you know there's some economists out there still calling for v-shaped recoveries and i think that you know we one thing that we know from the the labor economics literature is that the duration of unemployment matters folks that have been unemployed for long periods of time not just a month or two uh, but have had you know six months of unemployment a year uh being unemployed etc the longer that goes on the more difficult it is for those individuals to uh to get reincorporated back into into the labor force. So overall, you know, we don't want to scare you off. The news is generally uh, positive, but I think that it's also important to know that we still got a a long way to to go there. That being said, you wouldn't know it if you looked at the consumer spending numbers, right, because retail sales last month were uh, were pretty strong.
0: Very, very robust, um, and, um, and and you know, retail sales came in with an increase of one point nine percent in September. And we talked about this before. We show in our uh, forecast, probably in the, in the in the Leslie's and Jordan's forecast. Before that, you know, if you look at just retail sales number, it might it has surpassed the uh, the number that we saw back in February um, earlier this year before pandemic. Um, so yeah consumer spending is actually showing a very, very strong number, more than double you know the consensus expectation.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean 1.9% in a single month, you annualize that out and that's a pretty uh, solid annualized. Pace of, of growth. We've seen that that consumers have grown more confident. We see that in you know the University of Michigan or the the Conference Board's consumer sentiment numbers. We see it in these retail sales numbers. We see it in our own survey data when we ask consumers about the housing market: is it a good time to buy and sell? And those numbers right. have also uh, been been going up. So definitely, I think the initial shock of of the crisis you know has has taken its its toll in those initial job losses and and that you know now we've we found bottom people are are getting those incomes back they're gaining confidence in the trajectory of things and and that's showing up across the board uh yeah. economically
0: let me ask you this though you know we've talked about you know the um you know, there might not be in another uh, federal assistant for another few weeks, or maybe even um, you know before the end of the year. But wh- where do you think people are getting their money from, um, you know, for spending? Yeah. Yeah.
1: So you know, I I think that the the spending is coming from. Uh, you know, I think that there's been a a transfer in spending from one category to another. You know, if you look at the percentage of spending that goes from. Uh, Services, as an example, to goods, right? That people uh, saving a lot of money by being stuck right. in their homes, but they're uh, running up the toll on, on things like Amazon.com to get things, you know, actual things to make them more comfortable versus going out, having experiences, going and entertaining themselves, going to a restaurant, etc.
0: And the saving rate seems to have gone up quite significantly, uh, at least, you know, uh, in the mid of the year, it looks like they might be actually using some of their saving as well, right? Well, and I think that's, that's one of the unique things about
1: the, the way that we stimulated the economy the, the first time around, right, is that everybody got a, a $1,000 check. In in the mail, in many cases, folks were getting those without having lost a job, and those initially went into uh, those savings accounts, and we did get up into the into the double digits for savings rates. And I, I think people are burning uh, some of that down. The other thing, you know, I think some folks have sold their house. We did a, an amazing econ panel at Reimagine, and and Selma Hep from CoreLogic mm-hmm. was talking about forbearance numbers here in. In California, and there was a lot of folks who fell on tough economic times, um, you know, and and went into forbearance, but uh-huh. have since exited. Six percent of the people who have exited forbearance right. did so because they paid for their mortgage. Uh, In full, which means they probably sold a house that they had some equity in because maybe they lost a job or had income impacts because of the crisis and were able to, you know, sell a home and build up some savings that they're able to then uh, kind of, you know, draw down over the course of these last couple of months as well.
0: That's very true. And, and, you know, it may also be because of, you know, people refinancing in the last few months or so, a lot of people refinance and they might be paying actually less mortgage payment on a monthly basis. And that could be uh, used as some of the saving. Now Absolutely. talking about low rates, you know, we were just talking about low rates, you know, mortgage, mortgage refinancing. It looks like, you know, the uh, low mortgage rates might have spurred, you know, home sales quite a bit in the last couple months.
1: Yeah, I mean, and this is the 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 fun part to talk about, right, for the members <laughs> because uh, we had almost five hundred thousand home sales on an wow. annualized pace um, in in September. So that's the third month that we've been over four hundred thousand in in a long time. It's more uh, <clears throat> double digit growth right? And we're actually currently running ahead of that forecast that we just released. So we expected that the year would end uh, down about four, four and a half percent when the dust settles on 2020. And with this uh, September resurgence in sales, or I guess ongoing strength in sales that continued from uh, August, we're now only running about 3.7% behind 2019's pace. So we're already doing better than we forecasted uh, just, just a couple of weeks ago
0: right i mean that's very impressive i mean we, we did you and i both know we have been doing our forecast updates uh you know internally uh, on a very regular basis and back in uh the first half of the year yes yeah, you said you know we we're down double digit the, it's hard to believe that in a matter of three months we have kind of caught up a little bit not completely but caught up a little bit and the fact that You know, if you look at pending sales, for example, uh, pending sales suggest that we will have another pretty strong month in October, maybe even November, depending on how much time it needs to close in escrow, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I mean, you know, it's it's crazy because 489,000 isn't just a lot of home sales relative to um, where we were last year with all time low levels of unemployment, etc. it said there was no pandemic, we weren't uh, held hostage in our homes and all of those things. And it was actually it's it's better than than we've seen in in a really long time. I think almost a ten year period when we haven't yeah. been close, you know, this close to, to five hundred thousand uh, home sales. And you're you're absolutely right. Pending sales were up by double digits again. And so you know at least October should continue to see more growth. And and potentially, as you said, depending on how many of those spill over <laughs> into uh, November as well. It was across. All ca- it was broad-based growth, I guess, too, right? Whether mm-hmm. we look at segments uh, or or regions, everybody kind of shared in in these gains,
0: except for the very, very low. Um... Bottom right. end of the of the segment. I, I'm when I'm saying bottom end, like below two hundred three hundred thousand. and that's because of supply issues. But also, you know, that the uh, the buyers in that segment may be a, f- a little bit more affected by the uh, economic situation. Yeah. But all in all, I think uh, you're absolutely right. We are seeing significant increase in all price segments, uh, particularly in the high end too. Right. Yeah. And you do see that the the
1: top end of the market continues to. To drive the show, and I think that there's a lot of economic interpretations of that. You know, I think the stock market's doing well, which is um, traditionally a game only played by by folks, you know, largely at the top end of mm-hmm. of the income spectrum. The job losses have been much less concentrated at the high end of the income spectrum. You still have a lot of volatility and economic uncertainty potentially out there that also makes real estate. Uh, look like a, a a safe bet relative right. to other investments, and so I think there's a whole slew of reasons why the top end in particular is is doing well. I think you have a lot of folks who are maybe buying second homes, right? If you look at the the resort numbers or the numbers from different parts of the state, those areas that are traditionally you know high quality of life, high recreation value uh, areas like you know Big Bear and Mammoth and Tahoe and all those places that people go to. You know traditionally have fun on the weekends might be places that that folks have a little bit more flexibility to either uh you know live and work there remotely or you you know at least have a second home in some of those markets that you can spend you know not just the weekends potentially anymore and so just uh you know top end still poised to do pretty
0: well true i mean instead of just enjoying the weekend why not just enjoy the whole week right (laughs)
1: Yeah, exactly. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll go to the city for the weekend now, right? That there's nobody there and, and go take in a show. So, uh, but, but you see that it really is a high demand game, right? Because when you look at the price numbers, uh, they, we, you know, every month, it seems like I could just put out the same press release that we put out the month before, right? Like prices set new all time high, um, above 700,000, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Yeah. And, and, and I mean, it's, it's, very surprised I mean maybe not I shouldn't be surprised we see home prices increase uh, on a year over year basis but I I guess the surprise is it actually uh, in September we actually got an 18 or close to 18 percent increase a second month with uh, 700,000 record price median price at the state level and typically at this time of the year or September it's you know, the home buying season should be you know, leveling off yeah. and then we don't usually see prices set another new record um, yeah,
1: absolutely and usually like you said month to month prices are going down by the fall right by September right. October there you know prices have peaked in the in the summer when the home buying season was at its height and then it it starts to come down and and this year we continue to see prices go up into the fall
0: yeah and and, and I don't know if you know you you, you can tell me, uh, Whether well you know the mix of sales may have you know a uh, reason why we're seeing some increase in price. I know the supply side definitely is one of the reasons. Yeah. Uh, and maybe the interest rates being very low is another reason, but mix of sales. Is that a uh, reason?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think that, you know, as, as you said, the the growth in sales is happening faster at the top end of, of the market. And so, you know, if the whole market was a pie chart, the slice that's over 3 million has gotten a lot bigger than what it was at this time last year. So when we uh, do, you know, median price calculations and look at what home, was in the very middle. Well, the more that you have up at that upper end of the spectrum draws the price up, but you did some amazing work that that shows that, uh, you know, a lot of it is due. And I think somewhere depending, you know, again on the the region and Mm -hmm. some assumptions that you feed in, but it's somewhere between 50 and 60 and maybe even upwards of 70% of the price growth uh, is due to the fact that we're selling more high-end homes when we talk about the median price. But what's interesting to me is that that still means that, you know, between 30 and 50% of the growth that we're seeing is still real, then honest to goodness growth in <laughs> in values, right? And so, if you think about that in the context of our September number, where as you said prices were up, you know, seventeen or eighteen percent from where they were at this time uh, last year, what that would mean in the lens of mix of sales versus true appreciation is that um, values themselves are still going up by six to uh, eight yeah.
0: percent on a year over year basis, right? That's pretty impressive. Um, you know, like you said earlier, um, people might be interested in the stock market, but at the same time, you know, having a hard asset, like, you know, a property, uh, people want to buy a property, especially yep. since now people can work from home a little bit more flexibility from their employers. Um, why not? If, especially since, you know, interest rate is at a very low level, right. uh, like below 3%. Um, now, talking about interest rates, I know even with interest rates at 3%, um, because of the increase in, in price, uh, we're seeing mortgage payment a little higher than last year.
1: Yeah, definitely. And, so, and
0: I don't know whether that is going to affect sales in the long run. I mean, for now, uh, we're seeing increase in sales, but in the long run, uh, maybe that could have an impact. But, you know, obviously, it's nothing. it's not something that we can easily predict.
1: Yeah, and I, I mean that is always the the concern, right? Is that rising prices are great for folks who already have a, a foot on on the property ladder, but we know that uh, you know from a home ownership standpoint that that you know the lack of supply and what it does to to affordability is is the thing that's holding us back. know from the rest of the nation when you look at home ownership rates there they're they're much higher when you look at housing affordability there um it's it's much higher and so as much as it's a good thing for existing homeowners to continue to build home equity the downside of that is that it means that you know potentially fewer folks will actually uh, be able to to take advantage of all those benefits of Mm home ownership in the future
0: Mm -hmm. and you just touched upon a very good uh, good point about you know the supply side as well um, uh, supply obviously is in a very short, uh, it's still in very uh, short uh, supply right now in our housing market. And uh, I think it continued to go down in September and in the last few months, right?
1: Yeah, definitely. And and that's true whether you look at our unsold inventory index, which is a ratio and can sometimes be a little bit uh, misleading, but it's true just in terms of the sheer number of homes being sold. So again, in September, active listings were down 48 that was a little wow. bit actually better, uh, believe it or not, from oh, where better. they were <laughs> last year, where they were down by uh, more than 50%. But no matter how you slice it, there's still roughly half as many homes for sale right now as there were at this time last year. When, by the way, uh, last year's inventory wasn't uh, anything to <laughs> to write home about. I think we were down in like below three months of supply uh, territory even, even then, right? And so to have half right. as many Half as many homes on the market as we did when we were already at basically all-time low levels is is the the big sticking point, and I think you know as we'll see in the forecast, it's one of the reasons why even though we're still kind of optimistic about the housing market, there's a limit to how optimistic we can be because um, you know with nothing for sale, it it's hard to turn those things into closed transactions and. And especially when you think about it from the home ownership standpoint, because you've done some beautiful work breaking it out by, by price segment, uh-huh. um, you know, and, and what you see is that listings are even more scarce for those first-time home buyers.
0: Yeah, it definitely is very, very scarce. Uh, you know, we we're talking about 50 60% down in active listings. Um, and you know, it, it, all price segments have been dipping uh, by more than double digit, uh, by double digit. But you know, it's it's very unusual. Uh, I shouldn't say unusual. It's very scary to see that you know areas where um, people can buy affordable homes they're actually uh, very very tight right now with sixty percent or close to sixty percent down. Um, and who knows? And this is. And remember, you know, we are supposedly in an off uh, home buying season. And with active listings down that much during home uh, during you know the off season, that's scary because if we actually once we you know pass this next few months after we get back to you know the home buying season, yeah. then it's going to be even you know uh, lower. It's as going as to be even worse
1: says. for 2021 exactly.
0: Right. So so let's talk about 2021 since we already uh, kind of briefly talked about it. I know we uh, just recently gave a forecast you and Leslie did. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, there are some scenarios that we can talk about, uh, but uh, I'll let you go into it.
1: Yeah, definitely. Because, you know, this is is where what really matters, right? It's not just kind of that rear view mirror kind of perspective that we, we just went over, but how is this going to continue to play out moving forward? And I was honored to be able to share that stage with Leslie at Reimagine um, and actually plug for Reimagine. If you didn't get a <laughs> chance to attend all those sessions to either watch our forecast uh, or attend the, the amazing econ panel that I did with Robert kleinhens of Kleinhens economics and Selma app of core logic or any of the other amazing sessions that are actually available on demand and you can check those out a lot um, of great insights yeah and there's so many good sessions and content so I invite you to check those out particularly mine if you want to go pump up the numbers <laughs> for the econ panel and the uh, and the forecast that would be appreciated but you know we we rolled out scenarios this time and I think this is mm-hmm. the first time that we've not had a single um, CAR housing market forecast, but but I think it 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 speaks to the amount of uncertainty that still exists out there. But let me walk you through our baseline scenario. So this is kind sure. of our our most likely case that we think is is going to happen, and then I'll tell you kind of what underlies that forecast, um, and then maybe we can talk about what 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 it might look like in a worst case scenario. But. You know, sure. if, you look, if you look at our expectations for this year, we had expected again that home sales were were going to have fallen by four and a half percent when we got to the end of December, uh, mm-hmm. and and that home prices were going to be up by about eight point one. Percent kind of consistent wow. with this really robust price growth. And so that means a, a median price for 2020 of 640000 which would be uh, an all-time high level, higher than that kind of peak that we had in that last cycle, and that we'd average roughly 380. 1000 home sales. Looking forward to next year, we continue to be optimistic that this kind of strong buyer demand environment was going to continue partly because we expect low rates to persist uh, through next year, maybe not at 2.7%, but um, still low rates nonetheless. And so we had uh, closed sales going up by about 3.3% to a pace of about 392 thousand five hundred but that price growth was going to slow because we expected that some of this uh closed transactions would result from uh the markets going back towards the bottom end either because right. um some you know potential owner occupants who maybe have lost jobs or were in forbearance during this year decide to get out of those homes right and sell those homes mm-hmm, or because mm-hmm. maybe some investors decide that they're going to get out of the rental business for a while with all of the uh, uncertainty but for all of you know uh, a myriad of reasons that we weren't going to have that same um, concentration at the top end we still think top end home sales will continue to do well but it just won't have that same uh, you know oversized slice of the pie next year that it had this year as some of those bottom end listings and face it look the the price level has gone up pretty significantly that in and of itself should lure some of those uh sellers at the bottom end of the market back in as well and so therefore we saw prices going up by 1.3 percent part of that is is understated again because we have a shift from the top end down towards uh back towards that that lower end but we, we weren't super optimistic in our baseline scenario, again, because of the, the lack of available supply. And so when you when you think about that forecast for that to play mm-hmm. out, what we've assumed is that, um, you know, things will continue to to go well, right, that we don't have this kind of second wave of the virus that the economy still does. Well, can you walk us through some of the assumptions that underlie that?
0: Absolutely. You know, I think, um, you lay it out very well and, um, you know, uh, we, there are a lot of things uh, that are moving parts as far as, you know, the coronavirus, of course, vaccine, you know, we have been saying that, well, like, yeah, it may, 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 we may have something at the end of the year, but most likely it's not going to be available until the first half of next year. And that's our, you know, baseline scenario. Yeah. Uh, but also, um, Yes, we have uh, uh, mentioned uh, uh, many times that, you know, be careful not to have, we we don't want to have another second wave. And we do not believe that we're going to see a significant uh, surge in number of cases this year and um, early part of next year. Uh, Even though we're going to flu season, if everyone practices social distancing, we should be able to avoid, you know, a significant surge. And if that is the case, we do see that, you know, growth, economic growth rate is going to go up by 4.2% 4.2% in 2021, which is pretty nice. On pretty an big. annual
1: basis, that's a good number. Yeah, we've struggled. I mean, if you just to put that in perspective from the end of the last recession, basically right through to the end of 2019, we really struggled to even get above right. 3% growth. And so, um, you know, it's, it's not a... Uh, number that you go home and pop the champagne corks over but it but it is a a, an above average number and and the more important part is that we see that feeding into incomes which is a real driver of the housing market. right
0: right i mean we don't usually see a three percent three and a half percent increase in income but we will be expecting a 3.3 percent income in 2021 i think um, that of course i think we we probably have to uh you know, considered that there might be some additional federal assistance next year, maybe not this year, who knows when, uh, when, until we have some um, election results settled, we probably won't know anything. But the other big part of it that I think you put in as an assumption uh, in regards to price um, not growing as much is because the foreclosed properties. Right. And I, you know, just a reminder, back in 2000 and um, 2000, 2008, 2009, when we had the Great Recessions, for uh, distress sales, foreclosed, REOs, and short sales bind uh, at one point to about 60% of all sales. Uh, yeah. But we expect uh, fewer uh, foreclosed or distressed sales this time around, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's one of the big differences, you know, and, and economists, I think, always hesitate to use the term this time. It's it's different. But I do think that, um, you know, there's there's a lot of fundamentals under the, the, the housing market and within the, the mortgage finance market that are, are much more sound this time mm-hmm. than they were uh, last time around. And so when you think about foreclosures, um, you know, instead of getting to more than one out of every two sales, which they did back then, right? That we have um, right. in our baseline scenario that foreclosures and distress sales will represent uh, less than ten percent of the market next year. That's not to say that everyone who's in forbearance is going to be able to hold on to their right. home, right, and and make it back and get those jobs back. But we think that the numbers are going to be much more manageable, and with them representing such a small share of the market, we think that they're you know we're not going to see such Steep discounts, right? When every when sixty percent of the market is a foreclosure, um, and they're all competing against each other, that's when you see those steep price cuts because banks just want to get those units off their books as, you know, before things get uh, any any worse. When it's only eight percent of the market, and we have so much buyer demand, um, and you know, again, going back to the fundamentals without getting too far into the weeds, we have a lot of folks who are in fixed rate mortgages, low rate, fixed rate mortgages. We have a lot of folks who are in um, situations where they have home equity, right? They put at least some money down, even if it was only three or 5%. We didn't have a lot of zero down payment loans. We didn't have the same volume of uh, cashing out, cash out refis, HELOCs, where people use their homes as their credit cards this time. And so even though you know, again, not to diminish the financial distress that's out there from the job losses and the unemployment that we've seen, but what's different is that uh, unlike last time, when you, when you lose your job this time around, you might have a home that has equity in it with buyers lined up to actually purchase it from you. And so, um, you know, you don't, you don't walk away from a home that you have equity in that somebody wants to pay you more, you know, more than you paid for. Um, and, and so, you know, it's not to again, say that everyone's going to be able to keep those homes, but it's going to be a much more manageable number in our baseline scenario. Um, again, assuming that we don't get that second wave, assuming that rates stay low, assuming that the economy, economy uh, continues to, to get better. What happens if, if that doesn't happen? Because we, we felt compelled this time, given the amount of uncertainty, to, uh, to have another scenario where you know maybe um, something happens where California does start to look more like the rest of the United States from a health standpoint, right? Where where deaths start going back in the wrong direction, where we start seeing cases go back up and then we've got to clamp down economically, then that could have much uh, worse or more severe implications for the market.
0: Absolutely, you know, as we started, you know, saying, you know, talking about our baseline, there's a lot of uncertainties with the, uh, especially with the coronavirus situation. And if we do have a second wave, then a lot of things have to change. You know, there are things like not only just you know, concerns about public health, but also there could potentially be another shutdown or another lockdown. Right. I mean, last time we had a lockdown was six weeks. Who know, it, 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 since we're going into the flu season, it could possibly be you know, eight weeks or longer. And the concern also is the timing of the coronavirus uh, uh, second wave. Let's say if it actually happens during the time when we have the holiday season, I mean, travel is going to stop, um, all the uh, 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 retail sales are obviously going to stop. You know, during holiday season, we always go out and eat, right? Um, yep. Obviously, that's not going to happen as much. Um, so the second wave is going to lead to also a downturn in uh, the economy as well. Right. Uh, and we expect, just to give you some assumptions before you go over some numbers, we expect, you know, if that is still going to be the case, we might actually have zero growth in GDP in right. 2021, and even household income could drop.
1: Right. Yeah, and and that's critical, right? Because then, you know, then you're in a, a much different ballgame. Instead of having the economy um, growing by an above-average pace, you have no growth, and you have people's incomes. Uh, going down and I think that that is is much worse and so from from a housing standpoint right and so in that kind of scenario we have sales that instead of going up by 3.3 percent actually go down by 9.8 percent next year and and similarly then with you know some of the the wind taken out of the 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 metaphorical sales if you will of of housing demand that that we have uh, you know Actual price weakness, right? Where we have an even harder time uh, moving some of the homes, and and therefore prices go down a bit. And and the big thing is on the household income side and on the econ side, right? Because if if more folks um, lose those jobs, if their incomes go down, and and the the demand for housing starts to erode, then you start to have a different uh, scenario for the foreclosures, right? Right. That then maybe more folks aren't able to, we don't get some kind of federal uh, assistance that helps, you know, people who've been in forbearance hang on to those homes to help renters uh, catch up on their rents so that those landlords can catch up on their mortgages, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. In which case, you know, we have foreclosures representing a much bigger part of the market, still less than half of what it looked like back in 2008. And I want to, you know, emphasize that, that mm-hmm, even mm-hmm. in this worst case scenario, we're expecting that uh, distress sales, foreclosures and otherwise Represent roughly 30% of the market in our, you know, assuming a second wave and another shutdown, et cetera, et cetera, and that those foreclosed properties um, sell by by a discount of roughly 40%. So that's still about half as bad as what it was in 2008 and 9, where they were 60% of the market and were discounting by between 50 and 60% in some cases from what that market value was prior to uh, the crash, but still pretty, pretty severe, right? And so that's why yeah. we still continue to beat you over the head with the the health numbers, because as that economist at the NABE conference said, the, the virus is, is the boss, and that's why we have these two scenarios. So the good news is that we have a baseline scenario that expects both uh, sales and prices to continue to go up, and that we have a, a worst case scenario that's only half as bad as what it was, mm. you know, in the previous crisis, but still, pretty, pretty severe. What about the good news? Is there a possibility that things might get even better? Cause I know that just for fun, we punched <laughs> out a best case, right? There, there is a chance that rates stay low, that we don't get a second wave um, and that housing demand gets even stronger, right?
0: Yeah. And, and it, it doesn't hurt to do a best case scenario. Um, especially since, you know, when we remember, you know, I think uh, a few months ago uh, our baseline was, Of baseline forecast that we did with, you know, the year to date number of sales at uh, 13% down, we were thinking, okay, well, the best case scenario is probably our, uh, the the, the baseline scenario is probably our best case. Right. So, you know, it could turn, you know, to the better, but uh, so let's take a look, you know, if we actually end up having uh, a best case scenario, that is if Let's say vaccine is actually uh, even earlier than um, the uh, second half of the uh, first half of next year. Maybe let's say in January or February or March, yep. we actually have a vaccine and it's being tested and distributed uh, massively. And everyone, uh, uh, everyone is able to go out and spend and uh, start getting their job back. And yep. we are looking at you know economic growth rate at 5%, maybe even higher than that. And we're looking at income growth at 5% as well, but at the same time, because, you know, we have already heard, you know, the Federal Reserve came out and said, you know, they're, they want to make sure that, um, you know, uh, they're going to look at inflation, but they're not going to move right away, yep. even if inflation goes up. So Federal Reserve may actually keep interest rate at a low rate uh, as well for a period of time. And if that is the case, then we might have some more optimistic numbers uh, for, for sales.
1: Yeah. And then in which case, you know, the sales numbers would be twice as good or more than what we think in our baseline scenario up over 7% and same thing with prices. Uh, In fact, if, if this scenario plays out and we're able to kind of get back to normal uh, much earlier in 2021 than we expect, then you could see uh, California end 2021 with an annual median of close to 700,000, an increase of about seven and a half percent. Wow. So it's a possibility. It's not our. It's not our most likely. But uh, you know, and I wouldn't even say maybe equally as likely as as the worst case. But I do think that there's a possibility that we just see ongoing housing demand continue to push up uh, prices and sales, you know, beyond what what currently looks possible.
0: Absolutely, and you know, again, we are putting out all these scenarios because there's so much uncertainty out there, um, yeah. and uh, we just want to present every possibility i'm not every but at least three possibilities for you guys to take a look at so that uh you know you can uh talk to your clients about it and um you know put in your own thoughts as well
1: absolutely so uh that is is pretty much where we'll we'll leave it the the rearview mirror is looking pretty good especially here in california and the uh and the forward looking mirror if we had one Suggest that that things will continue to do pretty well in our baseline scenario. So uh, thank you so much for tuning in for another Housing Matters podcast. As things develop, we will be sure to report on them to you so that you have everything you need to know about the housing market and the economy. And uh, Oscar, unless I missed something, I think we can leave it there.
0: I think so. Just one more word. Um, I know it's possible that you guys may not hear us before, you know, the election day. So make sure you go out and vote and get your uh, ballot in. And uh, we wish to talk to you in a couple of weeks again. All righty. Thank you so much. We'll see you on the next one. Bye bye.